Folks, this morning, if you're visiting, my name is Scott. I'm one of the pastors here, and today uh, we are going to be finishing our work through Jesus, the, through our work through the writing of the disciple that Jesus loved the very most, the very most. And uh, the question we're going to be answering this morning is, what do you do when you have no idea what to do? What do you do when you have no idea what to do? And that's how this disciple ends his letter. He provides us some direction on what do you do when you have no idea what to do. And I want to begin by doing a little Christmas Pace of Life Index test. This is a free stress test we're going to do right now, right here. Now, you'll notice there were pens provided for you on the, uh, on the seats. If you're uncomfortable, that's why. You're, seat, you're sitting on one. And uh, we've got some prizes we're actually going to give away today to those that, um, that score the highest and those that score the lowest on today's Christmas Pace of Life Stress test. So get your pen. Now, if you came with a program, if you were given a program when you came in, open it up and inside of it is an outline. And on that outline is the stress test we're going to take. It's about nine or ten questions. There's no pass or fail here. So if you're concerned about being perfect, uh, our church has a slogan, no perfect people allowed. So feel free to fail this test. Anyway, so be ready as I get ready. This, this year is a this, this month, for a lot of folks, is a month of transitions. It's a month of a lot of stress. And uh, before we take your Christmas pace of life test, I've got to tell you some, some exciting transitions in my family. This is my oldest son, Max, and his beautiful wife, Jannie. And our big transition this next year, in a couple months, is that we're expecting, because they're expecting our first granddaughter. We're going to have another lady in our home for the first time in my life. So I'm really excited about this. Folks have said, what are you going to do? How are you going to care for her? I just said, I'm going to do whatever she asks me to do. Whatever she tells me to do, I'm going to say, yes, ma'am. What do you want? We're excited about this. And this is a picture of our son, Max, on the far right. And this is Scarlet. That's the name they've chosen for. You can see how much they look alike. You can see... you can, see, you can see already she's praying. She's praying for me. Oh, I'm so excited. And I've already decided I want to be called Granddad. That will be my name. And one of my friends said, no, you'll be called whatever she wants to call you. And I was like, that's true with the ladies. Yeah, that's what they get. Anyways, Christmas for a lot of us is a time of transitions. It can create stress. I want to, I want to begin by looking at any stress perhaps you're experiencing and have a little fun with it. Are you ready to take the test? So you should have a pen. If you don't have the access to the the questions in the outline, just grab a piece of paper um, or write on your friend's arm, and you just can take the test because I'm going to have the questions up here, okay? About nine questions. You score five if if it strongly represents you and one if it's really low. Um, And again, Christmas is a stressful time because we're traveling, we're in different beds, different couches, we have different pillows. Oh, pillows, very important this time of year, are they not? We've got financial stressors, we've got new traditions and dynamics in our home, we've got uh, a loved one's possible last Christmas, that can be uh, uh, moving, 
Um, it's something I'm experiencing in our family, and it could be the first Christmas without a loved one. So these can be very, very stressful times. Please keep in mind the Amber Clark family, surviving family members of that tragedy this week. So Christmas can be a tremendous time of stress. And so let's talk about some of that stress. Here we go. Question number one. Do you seem to be short of time to get everything done on your Christmas list? One, seldom or never. Three, sometimes. Five, always or usually. Do you seem to be short of time to get everything done on your Christmas list? Number two, do you hate to wait in line? One, seldom. Five, always or usually. Three, sometimes. Am I going too fast? Really? I was going to speed up. Here we go. Okay. Do you eat fast? (laughs) That's a fun one, because I eat way too fast. Do you drive over the speed limit? We're in church. Yeah, but we don't cheat in church, all right? All right, here we go. Do you seem to have little time to relax and enjoy the day? Some of you need to tell your face that that, that's true (laughs) or not true. How about this? Do you find yourself overcommitted? Yeah. All right, here we go. Do you think about other things during conversations? Or when the pastor's presenting his message for the weekend? Yeah. I have people that... Do you walk fast? Huh? Scott Pitts, I'm anxious to see how you score on this. All right. Do you try to do more than one thing at a time? Never. Uh-uh. All right. Do you become irritable if kept waiting? Oh, no. Oh, no. Do you find yourself with clenched fist, a tight neck, or jaw muscles? Does your concentration sometimes wander while you think about what's coming up later? Here's the scoring. Let's let's find out how we do, how how we've done. How many of you were in the... Oh, go ahead and add your scores. Take a moment to do that. And if math's not your gift, turn to a neighbor... All right. Do you need to see the test questions again? Okay. How many of you are stressing out over this stress test? (laughs) Okay. It's all right. Again, this is just for fun. Fun. We do like to have fun. I hope you'll, by the way, I hope you'll come back Christmas Eve on the 23rd, our EV service, or the 24th, because we are going to have fun. We like to have fun. We like to laugh at ourselves especially, but I hope you'll come back as we talk about the birth narrative. All right, so how many of you scored 20 to 34? You were low on stress this month. Raise your hand. All right, how many of you scored as low as 30? How many of you scored as low as 25? How many of you have a 20? You scored 20. We got 120. We got 120 going once, 120 going twice. We got two 20s. Anybody score a, a, a 19? 19 going once, 19 going twice. 19. We got a 19 in the back. All right, anybody score less than 19? We got a 16. Do we have anybody under a 16? Under a 16, going one, how about about a 1 to 16? Okay, we got the lowest score here, right here. Okay, that's awesome. That's awesome. You're healthy. You're healthy. You just retired. We want to give you, on behalf of Adventure, a rock star energy drink. Just. Just in case you're kind of like, during the service, you're like, oh gosh, when is this going to end? There you go, all right? Congratulations. Good to have you. So fun. All right. We got another prize. We got another prize coming. Okay, how many of you were in the 35 to 44 category? 
Pace of life, Kai. All right. Healthy people. Healthy people. No gift for you today. <laughs> All right. High category. How many of you were 50 or higher? 50 or higher? Not a surprise. No, not a surprise. Okay, here we go. That wasn't very nice. I shouldn't react when I see hands. Okay, how many of you were 55 or higher? We have a 55. Okay, we have got, we got, did I see another 55? Was that kind of a 55? All right, do we have a 50? Is this, do we have anyone at 55 or higher? Rick Hutchinson, where are you, Rick? Rick, okay, do we have a 56? We, you didn't take it. All right, we got a 56. Tony Valerie, squeezy friend for you. Yeah. All right. All right. Woo. Was that fun? Good. So we all face stress. And here's the deal. For the followers of Jesus, after the resurrection of Jesus, they were in great transition because they had experienced a week of significant stress and loss. And some of you can even relate to that personally this week. It's a, it's a very um, disturbing time for them. And they were, uh, they had been with Jesus for a little over three years, and this was their experience. For the past three and a half years, Jesus and the disciples have traveled from village to village. They've slept on the side of the road. They've dealt with ecstatic mobs. They've escaped angry mobs, and they've witnessed life-changing miracles. I mean, just incredible uh, uh, experiences that they got to witness. Everything is transitioning. And there may be some of you that are going through transition this month. And I'm going to share with you a habit that is typically a Christmas habit that I want you to consider expanding into your family life, into your marriage, into your friendships, into your profession that I think can make all the difference. I am passionate about this one. Not that I'm not the others, but this one in particular has really benefited me in the last few years. So here's the question again. What do you do when you have no idea what to do? So the disciples are experiencing this kind of anguish, this disbelief, this this hope that Jesus really has resurrected from the dead, and it is... It is, it no doubt is very puzzling. Now, what's next? What do we do next? And Jesus modeled something for his disciples that they're actually going to practice. He modeled something for his disciples that they're going to practice. I'm going to read the narrative. As I get to the red, if you're visiting, we all read the red. So you've got to read the red, okay? All right? Uh, if, if, and if you don't read the red, I'm going to run a, a monster drink out to you. Here we go. No, here, I'm just kidding you. I'm going out to fish. That's what, that's what Simon Peter said one of Jesus' most outspoken disciples. I'm going fishing, right? (laughs) Any day fishing is better than, right? Okay. Simon Peter told them, and they said, they're going to follow. Let's go fish. That's how we started. Let's end that way. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Now, last month I had an opportunity to be on the Sea of Galilee. This is me and my son, and I'm playing Rose. He's playing Jack from Titanic. (laughs) We, and we're just being goofy. We just love to laugh and have fun and goof off and make fun of each other, so, especially me. And uh, <laughs> I am wearing my wife's sweater there. It was so cold, I was willing to drop my man card. Just take your sweater. Give me your sweater. I'm freezing. But we are on the Sea of Galilee. Um, we're looking out uh, south towards the Sea of Galilee. And right here, we are actually, right here, 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 right <sighs> 
right? I think it takes a second to load. One more thousand. Right here, we are looking out on the Sea of Galilee from Peter's house. This is what is considered to where Peter lived on the west shore of Galilee. The Galilee is huge. It's larger than Tahoe. And it is, that's what they call it, the Sea of Galilee. I cannot imagine but think that the disciples may have been fishing in this area. Maybe. Um, depending upon of any maybe trepidation they had about being around Peter's house, because there, there may, have, may have been a manhunt for them after the resurrection. But they decide to go fishing. That's the narrative. Here we go. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore. That's why we can celebrate Christmas, by the way. Because after the resurrection, th- there was reason for Christmas. If Jesus doesn't stand on the shore here, there is no Christmas. If Jesus doesn't resurrect from that cross experience, there is no Christmas. But he did resurrect. So it really is the most wonderful time of the year. You with me? But the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. Okay? He's been mistaken for a gardener. Now here. Okay. He called out to them, friends, haven't you caught any fish? No, they answered. Early, he said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul in the net because the large number of fish been there, done that. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, he's always willing to self-reference. Don't you love that? He is the author here. Said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say that, it is the Lord, he wrapped his arm and garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. He went hard. We're going to talk about that. Jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Wow. It's been a week since the resurrection of Jesus, and here Jesus is preparing a meal for his disciples to be with them. That's where we're headed. Jesus, Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Interesting, interesting. They're, they're hinting that this was amazing. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? You can imagine what that's like. A week prior, they saw an awful event. Awful. They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. So here he is hosting 12. Some of you are hosting more than that this month. You can do it. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. This is it. Why should this matter to me? This is an incredible transition of great difficulty that's going to launch these men to change the Roman world within about 30 years. And what he has to say to them is what he has ha- what he's modeled for them They're about to practice, and it's going to surprise you. No matter what, no matter what, when you don't know what to do, no matter what, keep doing with. Peter says, Peter's friends say, we'll go, say it with me, with you. We'll go with you. For three and a half years, Jesus has been practicing with. He was a, what we call a peripatetic teacher. He taught on the road. His followers were with him all the time. Basically, it was a three-year KOA campground experience with Jesus, okay? Sorry, that may come off a little disturbing. (laughs) They've been camping with Jesus for three years. 
And in his absence, they commit to continue to practice his strategy of doing life with. Let me tell you, the reason you listen to this message, need to listen to this message, is because there's nothing your grandchildren need more than for you to be with. There's nothing that your marriage needs more than for you to be with and without the children. For a moment. Or a week. There's nothing you need more in your spiritual vitality this morning as I'll challenge you than to sit in quietness in the morning before work and be with Jesus. You want to see your career advance? What you need more is to build chemistry with the team you're on and to be with that team. You, you would be amazed at how when people go to hire, how much they'll value chemistry over competency. What is it like being with you? Is what, a, what, what, a, what an HR department will, will ask. What is the team, do they enjoy being with you? Are you enjoyable? Do people like you? You don't have to answer that question. Be with. They decided to keep being with. The disciples learned that staying together is the wisest response to difficult times. And when we go through difficult times, what's our, what's our nature? Isolation, right? Be with. Jesus practiced it. Here's the question. Who do you need to spend more time with? We had a chance at a Christmas party. How many of you have been to a Christmas party this weekend? Okay, all right. Have you been to more than one? Okay. That's fun, huh? <clears throat> at one Christmas party, we had an opportunity to have a conversation with a gal we respect a ton. Very smart, very industrious, hardworking community leader in Natomas. And she just shared. She said, you know, the other day I heard you say, my, my wife, that when she was raised, her mother made it a point that every night they would have dinner with the family. And she heard my wife say that, and she brought it back up, and she said, you know, I never realized how much time I'm missing out on by not taking time to just be with my kids at night around the dinner table. We're all so that we don't do that. And I'm not saying it has to be dinner. I know some of you have different schedules. You've got to work in a breakfast. But being with each other could, be, could not just make this month significant. It could make the raising of your kids very significant. Who do you need to spend more time with? I tell my wife, Melissa, the most important thing we do this Christmas is make certain we get time with each other without other people. With. My, my friends have told me, get away twice a year if you can with your wife. Get away. Get away, get away, get away now. All right, here we go. <clears throat> when we don't know what to do, we need to do what Jesus did. Say it with me. Be with. It's critical. Critical. Be with. And your human nature won't always want to do it. Now, some of you are extroverts and you love to be with. Be with, be with, be with, be with, right? You're special. <laughs> Not all of us are that way, okay? But we all, we all can get a great blessing out of that. Number two, when Jesus shows up, go hard. Don't you love Peter's attitude? He's just kind of messed up pretty bad. In the week prior, Peter uh, was unwilling to confess his love for Jesus in front of three college girls. He, he even to the point started swearing, using pejoratives to make his point. How embarrassing. And he gets a second chance. Jesus always gives us a second chance, and a third, and a fourth, and a fifth, and a sixth, and a seventh. 
and a 400th. How many of you like second chances? He gives us second chances. And when Peter gets that opportunity, what does he do? He goes hard. He goes hard. He wrapped out his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and jumped into, into the water. I can relate to Peter. He left all the work for everybody else and just went swimming. Not good. This is like one of my most favorite places to be. I feel home here, an international flight. Okay? This is a, a, a Turkish airline, 777 wide body. But I have moments, especially if I'm experiencing jet lag, where I get nervous. And last month, I was on a flight from Tel Aviv to Istanbul, and I'm sitting next to this guy from Atlanta. Is anyone from Atlanta here? Anybody in Atlanta? Can you, can you do an Atlanta accent for us? Okay. Okay, so I'm doing, I'm with this guy, and he's telling everyone around me, and I'm like delirious, his Jesus story. Like he's telling everybody how he met Jesus. And he, he, he really loud. And he was really, he, he was disabled, and I'll find out why. Um, and one of the passengers helped him get up on the plane. It was really an endearing moment, but I ended up sitting right next to him. And he's telling the story in his accent, which I, I'll try to emulate, but if I'm bad, just say, stop it, stop, stop, stop. So, we're in the, we're in the, we're in the, 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 whatever, the cabin, and he starts, he tells everyone his story. Well, I'm not listening. So I finally said, hey, dude, can I hear your Jesus story? He goes, sure. He said, hey, I used to, I used to go hard. I used to run hard. Drugs, alcohol. Then one time I was driving my pickup truck. I ran through an intersection, and to avoid hitting a car, I flipped my truck. And man, I had a surgery, and my life was barely spared. I'm like, Wow. He said, but I didn't listen to Jesus then. I wasn't listening. I'm like, okay. He said, another time, he said, I used to run hard. He said, I was driving my motorcycle really, really fast. I used to run hard. He says, I drive my motorcycle really, really fast. And he said, I, while I was out, I, I went to dodge a car, and I flipped my bike, and I flew 150 feet. That was the number he gave me. And he said, the doctor told me, you're going to lose your leg. And guess what? Jesus made it possible for me to keep my leg. And I'm like, that's awesome. And he said, and you'll never believe what happened. And then I, I gave my life to Jesus. And he said, but you'll never believe what happened last week. I'm like, what happened? He goes, last week I was on an international flight to come out here. We go up 24 minutes, minutes into our flight. The engine goes out. And I'm like, what you talking about? <laughs> I'm serious. It's early morning. I hadn't slept much, so I, had, I, I was sleep deprived. And I'm starting to get nervous. He goes, yeah, the engine went out. I'm like, you're kidding. He goes, no, we had to turn around. When we got back on the tarmac, the other engine went out. There's only two engines on an international flight on these planes. So I'm like, oh, wow. I just said, uh, what airline? He goes, oh, this one. <laughs> Jeez. Oh. We have to admit, sometimes we get nervous, right? So I was feeling a little nervous. And I decided, you know what? This guy went hard. I'm going with him. And I started visualizing, okay, if... If we have a worst-case scenario, we've got to land in the Mediterranean Sea, uh, or the, the, I'm going to grab this guy and just follow him out. <laughs> and I thought to myself, what about my wife? She's right next to me. What's she going to do? And I thought to myself, don't worry. She's already climbed over me and ahead of me. <laughs> Peter was willing to go hard after a traumatic event in the midst of all the chaos, all the anxiety, all the stress, and fully trust in Jesus. How do you do that? How do you do that? Peter learned the best response to past failure is to pursue the presence of Jesus. Pursue him. Here's the question. When is the last time you heard God's still small voice? 
where you really sensed he was speaking to you, I really believe he does that. I'm going to give you a couple ways to, to, to experience it personally. And it's the most energizing moment I have. It's better than coffee. It's better than a great workout. It's better than a great performance eval. It's hearing his voice. I'm going to show you how to do that today, two ways. Here's the first one. We talk about this a lot. Give Jesus the first 15 minutes of your day. Play a little Jesus culture. Play a little Chris Tomlin. Play a little, uh, uh, this one gal I love, Smith. I forget her first name. Amazing. Just listen to some great worship, okay? And then take some time to give God thanks. When's the last time you orally said, thank you, God? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. That my heart's beating today. That I get to move today. That it's not 105 degrees today. That, it, that, that I was able to get my Christmas lights up last year. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. It's very important. Healthy people say thank you a lot. And then lastly, take a moment to open up one of those first century documents written by Jesus' followers and just read a few lines from it. Start in John or Mark or Luke. Those are all first century writers that talk about Jesus. For 15 minutes, it'll make a difference. By the way, some of you are thinking, eh, 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 eh. In fact, I get mocked in my home. Really, my sons will say, try giving Jesus your 15 minutes. They, they, they poke at me because I say it all the time. But here's the deal. And I like it. They, they keep me humble. But, but Kaiser will tell you this is healthy for you. They'll say, you've got to have your downtime. Okay? So if Kaiser says it, I believe it. <laughs> this month is so special because we're, ex- we're going to be celebrating the moment when God sent his son to be with us. To be with us. And this is what the angel said to Mary when she was willing, when she said, be it done to me as you have said, Lord, I am your servant. Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Ooh, don't you want that experience of his comfort? And I love what Mary says. I pray it's what you will say. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. Say it with me. May your word to me be fulfilled. You do it. I'm going to follow you. When we don't know what to do, we need to do what he did. Say it with me. Be with. Be with. Nothing more important that you could do, especially for someone you're struggling with, is to be with them. And the truth is, it's probably the last thing you want to do. Be with. You might be sitting with someone right now you don't really want to sit with. Don't look at them. But (laughs) being with is critical. Point number three. The way forward will always involve serving. You want to move forward? You serve. When they landed, they saw a fire burning coals where there were fish on it and some bread. Jesus said the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Serving is the point. How do you move forward? With people you serve. Do you know why you serve them? Because when you serve people, it recreates your heart. When you serve people, it changes you. Try it. Find someone you don't like and start serving them. And see what it does to your heart. It's surprising. You'll start to like them. You'll even start to love them. With with his last hours on earth, Jesus chose to both provide and prepare a meal. Who is God calling you to serve? Who's calling you to serve? Is it your spouse? Your children? Is it your boss? Is it a team member? Is it a neighbor? 
Is God going to give you an opportunity to serve someone here and provide them a meal this month? Who's God calling you to serve? Service recreates your heart. We have opportunities in our children's ministry to serve. We have a few openings for small group leaders, especially for girls, of little girls. Doesn't that sound fun? Some of you are saying no, but some of you are saying maybe. <laughs> and if so, would you let us know on your Connect card? Say, hey, maybe. Maybe, maybe small group leader, SGL. Help us love young people. I mean, weren't those kids amazing today? Oh, my word. So fun. We want to be a part of guarding their hearts and giving them a great opportunity to experience Jesus here for the long haul. And when they look back, that they're like, Jesus touched me at that church. That's what I want. I can always go back there. I can always go back to Jesus. Listen, listen to what Jesus said about his presence with those who serve. He says, whoever, whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, my servant will be also. So when you serve, you're with Jesus. You're with him when you serve. He'll give you an opportunity to serve. Sometimes it'll be hard, because it is. When we don't know what to do, we need to do what he did. We need to be with. Who does Jesus need you to be with and serve? And what it begs is the answer to this question. It's the question of the royal law. Greatest law that Christians are under is to love your neighbor as yourself, to put the person next to you in front of you. And that happens when you answer this question as it relates to service. What does love require of me in this moment? Even though I don't feel like it. What does love require of me? Number four, everyone needs time to sit and listen to Jesus. Everyone needs time to sit and listen to Jesus. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Even those who were eyewitnesses needed times of listening and encouragement with Christ. When is the last time you experienced his comfort? And I want to give you a, a tool I've been using, and it's been effective to help me experience Christ's comfort and hear his voice daily. Here it is. Take a picture of this or write it down. It's been awesome. Here it is. I ask these three questions when I give Jesus the second 15 minutes of my morning. We're at a half hour now, I realize. Here we go. What do you want to teach me today? I ask him that orally, right from where I'm seated on the couch. What do you want to teach me today? And I think he tells me, study this, look at this, look at this reference, study up. Take your, take your phone out and search this. Learn about it. First question. Second question is, who do you want me to pray for today? And names will come to mind. Them, them, that person, that person, that marriage, that job search. Pray for them, that leader, that servant, that worker, that person, that family that's suffering. Pray for them. And then the last one is the fun one. What are your plans for Melissa and me? That's the fun one. What are your plans for my marriage? And if you're not married and you, you have a BFF, what are your plans for, for me and my friend? What are, you, what are your plans? And I listen and I write it down and then I have a conversation with Melissa. Hey, I think this is what God's saying. Doesn't always go well, but, but you give him the second 15 minutes, then you're, then you're really hearing. You're listening, you're getting his comfort. We've got an opportunity for you to listen to Jesus unlike any other you've ever had in your life next year. We have been piloting an experience that comes out of Nairobi, Kenya for over a year now. 
And beginning next February, we're going to invite all of you to be with Jesus and other believers for a few weeks and really hear from him. It's called Rooted. More to come. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Do you have the hope of God being with you right now personally? Are you experiencing his presence? Let me tell you how I know you can be assured of that. As God is my witness, I can tell you, you can be assured of experiencing God's presence if you believe that he sent his one and only son to suffer for your sins, be buried and resurrected from the dead. If you've made that choice to believe in him, his spirit, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of Jesus, the guide, the counselor, the teacher, comes into your heart personally and is with you. His presence is with you. You actually are the temple of God. It's with you. It's in you. He leads you. Are you experiencing his presence? Would you like to? If you never have made a decision to become a Christian, I invite you to in just a moment to say, Jesus, be with me. I believe you died. I believe you were buried and resurrected from the dead. That's the decision. Some of you maybe say right now, you know what, I'm not good enough. I got problems. I got issues. You perfectly qualify. If you don't think you have issues, you're disqualified because the cross wouldn't have been necessary. So the only thing that would keep you from letting him in is probably twofold. It's probably you think you've got to be good enough or you're afraid. It can be cowardice. Afraid of what other people think. Afraid of, of the changes that will happen. Let me tell you. The first change that will happen is you'll start to have peace and joy. Because Emmanuel is being with you. Right here. And some of you maybe just need to take the step. Some of you are like weirded out by this. Like Jesus, uh, his spirit, uh, his comfort. What are you talking about? I'm talking about enjoying Christmas in here 365 days a year because Jesus is in there. What do you do when you have no idea what to do? When we don't know what to do, we need to do what he did with our spouse, with our kids, with our grandkids, with our in-laws, I know that hurts, with our team at work, with our neighbors. When you get invited to that party and you don't want to go, what do you need to do? Be with. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, thank you for your son Jesus and his example that is so palpable, the importance of simply being with. Would you show us today who we need to be with? Tell us right now who we need to be with.